0: We're going to be in, we're going to start off in First Corinthians, Chapter Twelve. I always feel like I'm about to do a magic act. (laughs) Get my props ready, like I'm carrot top. spent the last couple weeks talking about identity in Christ and how he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And um, I've been using these um, Rubbermaid things um, as an illustration. I saw Louis Giglio do one time and... um, Actually, I didn't see him do it, I've only listened to it, so it may be totally different than this. But um, we've been, been looking at um, how all throughout the New Testament, um, it talks about uh, how we are now in Christ, and Christ is in us, and kind of um, this new identity that, that has come about because of what Jesus did on the cross, and how um, we um, are now defined by Christ's in us, instead of being defined by sin in us. And so, um, we've been using you know, these boxes and stuff to kind of represent uh, really what, what the gospel uh, teaches us uh, in one respect. And so, um, you know, this has been what has represented us the last couple of weeks. And how when, you, when we place our faith in what Jesus did and who he is, and uh, we repent of our sin and we say, "There's no, apart from you, I can't do anything, and uh, I need you to be my Savior, uh, Christ, which that's him right there, uh, looks a little different than the paintings. Um, Christ uh, comes and he literally like lives in us, that, that he removes sin from us and replaces that with himself. There's an exchange that has happened. And so we were born with a sin uh, golf ball in us, which you probably didn't know. And so um, you're born that way, and he exchanges that sin for himself. And so he comes and he literally lives inside of us, and um, this is when it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, all the hope that you and I have and all everything that we will ever need um, of the glory of God being lived out in our lives and um, all of our dreams of what we all hope our lives become, that's why Christ in you is the hope of that glory, is that because this is um, our new identity, then that is possible for you. And this is what you are, in fact, becoming. Um, day by day by day, you are and I are being renewed uh, in the image of our Creator. And so it's about uh, Christ in us um, emerging and spilling out of our lives and, and beginning to show up in different aspects of our lives. And the Scripture also says that we are in Christ, and so we've kind of used this um, to put us into Christ like that. And so um, Christ is in us, but we are also in Christ all at the same time. And it says that our lives are hidden with Christ uh, in God. And this has all been sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so um, this has kind of just come to represent um, in a very simple way the deep reality that your identity is no longer um, what it once was. That you are not the person that you used to be. um, And that while sin used to define you and you were a sinner, now Christ defines you and you are now a saint. And we've been trying to, to, we spent a couple weeks just looking at, at um, as best you can, I mean, we, you could spend years talking about it, we've tried to do it in a couple of weeks, but um, just kind of what this means for us as far as how we relate to God and how He's adopted us as His kids, there's an inherent change in us, like it's not, we're not just polished up, um, He has literally changed who we are on the, on the inside, and that change um, on the inside then begins to change how we uh, relate on the outside. And um, we talked a little bit about that last week, about how as our relationship with God in a a vertical sense begins to strengthen, then that is where our community comes from. That our community is not, it doesn't start horizontally with all of our relationships, it begins with all of us having a vertical relationship with God. And as that gets stronger, it changes the way we speak to each other and the way we think about each other. It changes the way we interact with people that we work with and that we live around. And um, it just impacts everything. And so, what I want us to talk about tonight um, is uh, kind of along the same lines, um, but uh, the the potluck deal tonight is for ministerial staff appreciation. At some point, um, along in the history of the world, um, people got together and they started creating holidays, and that's where, of course, Valentine's Day came from. And uh, you know, people always joke about the it's the candy companies and the greeting card people that promote Valentine's Day hardcore. or whatever, and then at some point, you know, like, different days got different meanings, different months got different meanings. Somewhere along the line, clergy um, got the month of October as, like, clergy appreciation month. It is, uh, I don't know, kind of random. I'd never heard of it, personally, until I got to Parkview Baptist and was on staff, and they were like, hey, it's Pastor Appreciation Sunday, we're going we're gonna to get stuff, you know? it's like, oh, okay. And they brought us all up on the stage, and they gave us all like these gift baskets and stuff like that, and uh, and whatever. And so like uh, every year, the church would do an appreciation thing for all the staff, and I was an intern, and then kind of like kind of slowly became like more and more full time or whatever, and uh, kind of got got in on some of that stuff. And they would um, they would load us up in these limousines, um, and they would take us to eat at like. Uh, um, the Camelot Club or like somewhere snazzy or whatever. And uh, they would do all this stuff and, and whatever, and it was cool. Well, and then one year um, the, uh, at the ring when we were at the college ministry of Parkview, um, a bunch of the college students were like, we need to do something for Josh. It's from us. And so that kind of began this uh, every year about this time. Um, something is done uh, to where people thank me or, you know, whatever. And uh, when, uh, <laughs> when we started a church, we were like, look, one of the things that's going to make us a for-real-deal church in the South is when we do a potluck. Um, it's, it was a big identity marker for us. And so, uh, Pastor Appreciation became the potluck deal, and that's how we uh, acknowledge it or whatever. And it's really, it's just an excuse for people to bring really good food and eat. So, um, I'm glad to give you a reason to make green bean casserole and uh, bring it tonight. Um, and so, that's what the potluck deal is for tonight and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And so, I was was a couple of weeks out, you know, I try to stay ahead on what we're going to talk about on Sunday as best as I can, and, and, and knew that this night was coming, and, and there's always a little bit of, like, discomfort with it, because, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I mean, put yourself in my shoes, it's kind of weird, uh, and then um, when, our, when our staff uh, expanded, and Megan came on staff, you know, it became, like, aimed at, at, you know, the both of us, and so that was, you know, better for me, because, you know, she reacts better than I do, and so uh, so that's always good. And um, but here's but here's the thing. Here's my like I joke about being just you know about uh, being uncomfortable with it because it's the spotlight or whatever and, and all that kind of stuff. But but here's here's the real reason why um, like I, I wanted to to take this approach tonight. Um, what I do is no different than what you do. But at the same time, it is different. But it's not different. Let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet, right? Uh, here's, here's what I'm driving at. And you probably know what I'm driving at. Um, there's no difference in, in, the, in my big picture calling and your big picture calling. The role that I play is, is different and the role that each one of you plays is different. It's not like y'all have your big role to play, and then I have my role. It's that we all have a different role to play in accomplishing the same thing. And while I like, I I love this night, and I I know I'm gonna kind of joke because it's like my you know people uh, like joke when they're awkward. That's what I do, and so I'm gonna joke about how I don't like tonight, whatever. But I, I thoroughly appreciate everything that was baked and all that kind of stuff, and people bringing stuff, and, and everything, I really do. And you have no idea what it means to me, but I want to make sure that our church mindset is different from the mindset that I grew up in, Okay, which is um, we have a staff that we pay to do ministry. That's why they're there. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches, and I was never taught that, but that was the vibe around like, my upbringing, was that like, they're the ministers, and so like, they're the ones that, that are going to do the ministry, and you know, like, there's a, a difference between things or whatever. And that's just not consistent with Scripture. Um, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 4, um, it's, it says it very simply and very plainly. to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I don't look at that, and I don't see a distinction um, between... um, between all of our roles, I see that that there is this combination of uniqueness and um, unity in this. And so when when we look around the room tonight, everybody who um, is identified by being in Christ fits into the same category. We're all different and we're all the same. And I love the fact that our faith is full of things that just don't make sense. Like the Trinity, you know? He's three, but he's one, but he's three, but he's one. All the time, three and one at the same time. (laughs) Okay. And so when we look around, we're like, no, 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 no. We're all the same, but we're all different. But we're the same, differently. See, unity, right? But the way that the Bible describes it makes com- complete sense. The way that, that we're all wired and put together and built is very, very different. But the origins of all those differences are the same, and the purpose for which that happens is, is all the same. All right? Look back at we're really going to look at four, five and six and seven. Just that. I didn't think that statement through. Um, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service with the same Lord. Varieties of activities, same God who is empowers them all in everyone. Okay? All of us are different. We have different personalities. We have different experiences. We have different things we're interested in. We have different things that we're good at. Um, we have different things that we are completely terrified of. Um, we have com- things, different things that we are just like completely frustrated that other people are not all about the same thing. Um, there is an incredible amount of diversity in every single one of us. Even if you look around and people look kind of like you and they talk kind of like you and they kind of act kind of like you, there's still like just an infinite number of differences between us. We're all incredibly unique. But the commonality is that all those things have been like specifically um, crafted in us by the Lord. And all the things that we do are empowered by Him. In verse 7, I think sums up everything, like, any kind of, how do, you want to, how do you define spiritual gifts? It's one of those, like, like church terms we throw around. I think this, this sums it up. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right? So each one of us, every one of us, God has chosen a way that he uniquely manifests himself in your life. He shows up uniquely in your existence. All right? All um, right. I'm going to undo this, even though it can't be undone, all right? So here's, here's what that's saying. There's Christ inside of you, all right? And if, like, you can kind of see him in there, and that's what happens in, in your life. It's like as you go to work, and as you hang out with your family, or as you're like, doing whatever, um, Jesus begins to surface in your life in a unique way. When it says manifestation of the Spirit, that's what it's talking about. Qualities of Jesus begin to come out in your life. And so some of you are are incredibly compassionate. Well, that's, that's the compassionate part of Christ manifesting in your life. Some of you are like, you shoot so straight, it makes people awkward. Jesus did that, didn't he? There are many awkward moments. That's that straightforwardness of Christ not being afraid to tell you what the truth is because he loves you enough to tell you that. Some of you are, are just incredibly creative, you know, whether you're, you're artists or you're musicians or you do like video stuff or, or whatever. And that is the creative side of God manifesting in your life. And so you might think, oh, I'm just artsy, but no, that's. The Christ in you manifesting. And so each one of us, as we go throughout our lives, just in our natural personalities and our tendencies and everything we've been through, there are things where unique ways that God chooses to manifest His, Himself in your life. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Jesus doesn't show up in your life so that you can be cool or successful, or whatever. When it says for the common good, that is for the building up of the church. When the church is built up, God is glorified. And so each one of us, as we go throughout life, God is manifesting Himself in unique ways, in different ways through our abilities and personalities and all that kind of stuff. And as that is happening, the church, capital C, church, is strengthened. And the ring, being a part of the capital C church, is strengthened. That's what a spiritual gift is. Any way that God shows up in your life that builds the body is a spiritual gift. Now, I think we kind of have issues when it comes to some of this stuff. All right? Um, If there's a diversity of ways that that happens, and... All that here's like here's where our like flesh comes in, is we have like manifestation envy. Here's what I'm talking about. Let's say let's say that you are a straight shooter, all right? Like I was talking about, and you look at someone who is creative, and you say, oh, "I wish God would manifest His creativity in me." We look at the way God shows up in somebody else's life, and we, we envy that. And somehow that ends up sending this weird message to us that we are not as good or as holy or as whatever as somebody else. You look at someone who is just absolutely driven to pray, and you look at their life and you're like, man, I wish that God would show up in my life like that. And, and here's the problem. It's not a problem to look at somebody's life and to be challenged by that. You know, and to say, oh, I want, I want that drive to pray, you know. And you start to pray, like, God, I want you to make me want to pray more. Like, that's great. But if looking at the way someone shows up in, um, the way that God shows up in somebody else's life, if that either makes you envy them or it makes you downplay your own giftings, then that's bad. And like I, like I don't, we don't have the verses on the screen, but if you keep reading in, in uh, chapter 12, um, like it says verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, But I'm not an eye. There's a little whiny tone in the Greek. Uh, uh, I don't know. Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where, 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 wait, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. I mean, it sounds like silly when you put it like that, but don't, don't we do that a little bit? Don't we look at the way, like, like where people are and... That kind of like has this weird reflection on us sometimes. Instead of us saying, "I'm so glad that that person is driven to pray because I'm not as driven to pray, and I'm so glad that they are, and I would like to be that way," um, instead of like being encouraged by that, a lot of times we're like, "Well, I guess I'm just not. I guess God just doesn't love me enough because He hasn't given me that desire." We look at someone who's the manifestation is creativity, and we're like, "Well, I mean, I guess they're like God just trusts them more maybe or something. Like I'm just a straight shooter, and I don't know what you know." Whatever, and I mean, I want to be that way, and you know, and, and so we start to envy each other, and it's so dumb that if you're a shoulder and you're looking at, at the ear, being like, I wish I was the ear, it's so stupid, right? But that's where we end up because there's all kinds of people who are like, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I go to this church, but I mean, I'm not like in leadership or anything, you know, I'm not like a community group leader or an elder, or I don't work with the uh, kids or whatever. And so there are people all over in churches all over, all over the place who are like, well, because I'm not a deacon or because I'm not a Sunday school teacher or because I'm not or whatever, then I'm not, like, I'm not in the ministry. They are in the ministry, and I'm just kind of me, and I just kind of show up, and I get ministered to. But that's inconsistent with what the Bible says because this is saying that every single one of us plays a role, and God shows up in every single life. And so we are talking about our identity, and we're talking about spiritual gifts, We have to realize that out of our true identity, these things are flowing all the time. And if you get caught up in envying somebody else or comparing yourself to somebody else or downplaying the way that God has wired you up, you are believing a lie. And you're looking God in the face and you're saying, I don't think you did a good enough job in the way you created me. And when we do that, we are wrong. God wants us to look at that uh, look at this, and, and from that to say, you know, I, I love the way I'm put together. I love that I'm the straight shooter, or that I'm artistic, or that I'm driven to pray, or that I'm, you know, whatever. You have to look and you have to say, I love the fact that God shows up in my life in the way that he does, because without me, the church would not be the church. It sounds so egotistical to say that, but all, it's, all you're doing is acknowledging that God knows what he's doing. That when God put you together, he did, he did exactly right because He's God and you're not. I know that some, in some situations, it goes deep down into the fact that we have a lot of just issues with self-esteem and, and like just self-image and all that kind of stuff, and none of us really feel like we're all that special. But for each one, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. How can you not feel special when you read that? And that's why I wanted to talk about this tonight, because I don't ever want our church to be like, okay, well, like um, these are the ministers, and so like they're like up here. And then like the elders, they're up there too, and community group leaders, oh, they're up there too. But I don't have a title, I don't have a job, I don't have a whatever, and so I must be like down here. Maybe one day gotta bump my worth up. And I guess there's just something about me that's keeping me down. And that's it's a lie. It is an absolute lie. I'll tell you something. If if you are, if you're a parent. And you are investing in your kids and you are investing in your marriage. You're doing exactly what you need to do. You don't need to look at all the things going on and be like, oh, well, I mean, I I can't, you know, since I'm not doing this, I must not be in ministry. You have the most incredible ministry. I mean, God has given you the ministry. The Shema, the very thing that was quoted by, like, from the, all throughout the Old Testament about teaching your kids and all that kind of stuff, the very thing that God was like, this is what I want you to do, you are doing that. So forget titles and forget job descriptions and forget all that stuff. If you're a college student, you know what? We don't need you to volunteer for every single thing that we have going on. We need you to be a student. Before you're a student, we need you to be a disciple of Christ. We need you to go to class and love the people that you're in school with. We need you to walk through your campus and represent him accurately. We need you to let us invest in your lives. And when that happens, you invest in us too. We, we don't need you to do all that stuff. We need you to be you. And that's the biggest, that's the, the biggest lesson I think that we can ever learn, is that we're not trying to, to like create this workforce in a church. We, we just need to be ourselves. You just need to to just be you. You don't need to be somebody else. If God has called you to be a community group leader, you need to do that with all of your heart. If God's called you, you to be a mom and to be a dad, you need to do that with all of your heart. If God's called you to just show up here on Sundays, maybe help us get things together, you need to do that. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. So we can't sit back and, and just say, oh, well, because I'm not this, then I'm not as important or whatever. Because you think about it, the body needs every single part. And Jesus is the head, and all of us, as we function in the way we're supposed to function, and we actively jump into the opportunities that he gives us, I mean, that's, that's when the church starts being the, the church. That's when the bride starts to look like she's supposed to look. When you and I, when we look at our Monday, as this, and you look at you look at where you work, where you go to school, as a place where the manifestation of God literally happens in front of people's eyes. That's ministry. My title is pastor, and that's my quote unquote full time gig. I can't reach. I can't reach the Baton Rouge. And you can't reach Baton Rouge as an individual. But you think about all the churches we have in this city? I mean, there should be some serious, like, Holy Ghost stuff happening in this place. As many professing Christians as we have in this city going into the workforce every day, going into neighborhoods every day, investing in kids every day. And I don't say that to say like look how it's not happening and we're not doing our job. I don't mean it like that. Like this needs, we need to be encouraged by this. And if we can can continue to ask God, God help me to look at my life as a missionary, looks at the mission field, because that's what we are. Some of you are called you're called into the ministry through teaching and uh, through um, um, I mean whatever. I can't think of all the example. Whatever you do, that's the ministry God's called you to. Turn over to Second Corinthians, chapter two. I'm gonna close with this. I hope this is making sense. Like I don't want to just ramble and ramble, you know. But see, one of the things uh, this changed my world uh, as far as like how I looked at church ministry. Um, my pastor growing up, one day he just he just He's laid it on the line and he was talking about how people think that the pastor of a church is like hired to preach. And he's like, I, he's like you, don't, you didn't hire me to preach. I'm not paid to be your pastor. He said, you, you guys pull all your resources and you supply me financially with what I and my family need so that I can play the role that you believe God has brought me here to play and I don't have to go out and get another job to be able to put food on the table. So you are, like, you don't pay my salary, you free me up financially to be able to play the role that I'm supposed to play. And I just remember thinking, that makes absolute sense. And so we're all in the same boat. My role is different, your role is different, but the purpose and the goal is all the same. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, He says it a different way. Look at verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. All right? Now think about that imagery. Through us spreads the fragrance of Christ everywhere. that as you go to work and as you live your life and as you go to Walmart and as you do whatever, everywhere you're going, God spreads through you the fragrance of Christ. Verse 15, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? See, I like that question, because I think that's where, that's where a lot of things come in, is, is like we sit there, and I do this, and I'm a, I mean, I've, I've been to seminary, whatever that means, and I don't feel any more equipped, okay, to, like I don't feel any more competent to like carry the gospel, you know, as big as that is. So seminary, blah, whatever. Um, and I think there's a, like a lot of Christians are like, look, I love the, I love the idea of being a missionary, of looking at the people that I have relationships with as God has crossed my path with them on purpose. But I think we're so intimidated, you know, by just the the magnitude of what it is to, like, be entrusted with the gospel. You know, and I think we're like, how in the world can I do that? Like, I'm going to mess it up. What if I say the wrong thing? What about the days when I have a bad day and people see me just lose it and I misrepresent God? And we have all these, like, exceptions that we create. And I, I just love the fact there's that question, who is sufficient for these things? Verse 17, for we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. Commissioned by God. This is not going to preachers. This is going to all of us. And so that's why I say we're all different, but we're all the same. We bring all these different things to the table, but it's like Voltron. Like we all like, everybody like comes together, comes together, and all of a sudden there's like, It happens. And so we are the same. We're different, but we're the same. God has commissioned us to do that. Look at chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? I love this. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, it's, it's, our, it's, it's us. See, the gospel is not just um, the Romans Road or the four spiritual laws or five, four or five, I don't know, spiritual laws, track, you know, or whatever. It's not just, um, you know, whatever. The gospel is also us. It's us as we live. And that's what they're saying. We don't need letters. I mean, you are, you are the proof. He says that in several of his letters. You are the proof that we need. It's your lives. In verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit the letter kills but the spirit gives life no matter how nervous it makes you to think of of your your life as being on mission of having purpose and about being about the glory of god god has made you competent this this makes you competent you can be nervous you know and that can and, and we probably need to be. There needs to be some seriousness to it. But He has made all of us competent ministers of a new covenant, of a new way of thinking, and a new way of living. Do you have to stand on a chair and preach the gospel at your lunch break to all your co-workers? No. God tells you to. I mean, you should probably obey, but uh, no. Is our church... Need to get out and go door to door and like try to like get people to come here to be in church or something. No. I think God wants us to just love Him and to love people from that love, to embrace the way that He has made us and to acknowledge the fact that He has called all of us and equipped all of us and sends all of us. And we do this together. And as that happens, God is glorified and the church grows. And sometimes our church grows from that. If you are representing Christ accurately in your workplace, our church is reaching into where you work. They don't have to come here necessarily. People ask me, oh, is your church growing? I'm like, well, I mean, it depends on what you're asking. I mean, sometimes we have to put out chairs and that's awesome. But I hear a lot more stories about People really just praying for their coworkers, and like, you know, parents investing in their kids, and and marriages like people are just really working on their marriages because because husbands want to love their wives like Christ loved the church, and I hear all those things. So heck yeah, we're growing. We're we're not moving to two services, and I'm thankful for that. Is there growth? Absolutely, there's growth. And so we are all ministers of this new covenant. We are servants of this new covenant. So I hope that you're encouraged by what God says about you. And um, I hope that this impacts you somehow. I hope that you're challenged. The worst thing we can do is walk away with our heads down, feeling like you just got beat down because you're not good enough. That's not what the Word says. If that's what you heard tonight, then you're believing a lie. If you are encouraged, if you are challenged, and that's coming from the Spirit, that's coming from Him interpreting Scripture for us. And so let's just enjoy that a little bit. Let's pray together. Father, we love you very much. And um, I'm always just kind of uh, taken back by the fact that you have entrusted someone like me with something so valuable and so important. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. God, sometimes the magnitude of being a, of being a missionary that's called to go and to be the aroma of Christ, that you've commissioned us to do that, you know, you know that the burden is heavy sometimes. You walked the earth, you felt the weight of that. But Father, I'm I'm asking you tonight if you would encourage all of us in this process. God that you would help us to embrace fully the way that you have made us and wired us and the different ways that you show up in our lives. God, that you would help us to fight our tendencies to envy the way other people minister and are, are put together. God, that we wouldn't look at other people to determine our worth. God, our worth begins with you always. So help us to fight that. Show us the, the truth. God, help us to look at our workplaces differently, our neighborhoods differently, our classrooms, and whatever the context is for our lives. Help us to look at that as places where we Bring that fragrance of Christ. We bring life into dead places. Like you say, we're streams of living water in the middle of a desert. God, that not, has nothing to do with us, that's everything to do with you. We love you very much and we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.